Our scripture today is from Luke chapter 18, verses 15 through 17. You can follow along in the New Testament in your Pew Bible on page 76. People were bringing even infants to him that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they sternly ordered them not to do it. But Jesus called for them and said, let the little children come to me, <laughs> sorry, and do not stop them, for it is to such that as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be, be to, to God. God. Amen. Cindy, thank you. And chancel choir and guest vocalists, thank you. I want to invite you to join me as we pray and begin our message today. Again, gracious and loving God, we come before you in this time of prayer, asking you to be with us and to be with all who are on our hearts and our minds today as we continue to think about this good news of your blessing for children and young people near and far. May we be mindful of those that we gather with even this morning. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Well, I'm Pastor Rebecca Yelly. In case uh, we haven't met, I'm typically upstairs in Sunday school with all of our elementary kids. And this morning, I get to preach, and Pastor Amy is doing Sunday school. We should have prayed for her. <laughs> so hopefully everything is working out well. They are going to be in the kitchen doing some cooking. So if we smell anything burning, that's where we go to save the children, okay? <laughs> we know something has gone wrong. Love is in the house. That's our sermon series that we find ourselves sort of at the tail end of today. And this morning we're going to be talking about family. I was thinking about the summer before I started high school, just a few years ago. <clears throat> I decided I was going to try out for the high school volleyball team. You see, I had played in middle school. I was on the A team my eighth grade year, and I had a pretty mean underhand serve. So I thought, this is going to go pretty well. We had three days of tryouts, and finally, on that last day, they posted the list of everyone who had made the team. Granted, at that point, they had like 18 teams, right? Like, everyone was going to be on a team. But I looked, and my name was nowhere on that volleyball list. I was so disappointed, but I decided I would then go to the tryouts for the high school softball team, which you coach, right? Right? Well, I had played slow-pitch recreational softball for several summers and thought, I got this one. So I went to tryouts, and did you know that they play competitive fast-pitch at the high school level? Um, I remember going through that afternoon with them, and the coach pulled me aside before I got on the bus, and she said to me, Rebecca, you don't need to come back tomorrow. 
it was not so great. <laughs> so high school started. Here I was, a freshman, walking the halls, still searching for my place to like fit in and belong. And during those first few weeks of class, they held elections for student council. They needed homeroom representatives, right? There's only like 15 people in your homeroom. So I thought, I'll put my name in. I lost by one vote. <laughs> Seriously. Like strike three, right? It was a rough, rough start to high school. But then they had auditions for the school play. It was a melodrama, right? That's where they have the heroine and the hero and the villain. And you, you boo and hiss and cheer. And it was called Pure as the Driven Snow. And for the auditions, you had to sing a song and then perform a short monologue. Well, my mom drove me to school so that I could audition one night. And I think I sang Happy Birthday, or maybe it was the national anthem, I don't remember. And I performed a monologue from a church musical I had been in. And I walked away, and I was about a million percent sure that there was no way I was going to be in that school play. I, had, I, I just had, I was convinced. But the next day, I went down to the auditorium, and I checked out that cast list, and sure enough, there was my name. I finally found my place. I had lines to learn, people I was going to get to know. <sighs> what a sigh of relief. I look back at that now, and, and I can laugh, right, at just the hilarity of it. Like, okay, just one more try. I'll try one more thing. But at the time, it was tough. And I can see just how important it was to have the support of my parents as I explored those different interests, as I tried to find my place. When things didn't go as planned, they let me grieve, and then they encouraged me to get out there and try it again. And they've done that consistently throughout my life. So thank you, Mom and Dad, for letting me try and fail and for consistently reminding me that I was loved no matter what. You gave me a safe space to learn and to grow, and that is the best gift that you could ever give a child. So thank you. They're the two that are crying in the back pews there. <laughs> so this is the final week of our sermon series, Love is in the House. And this morning I want to talk about family and the ways that we can strengthen our relationships with our young people. As Pastor Amy has said during the first two weeks of this series, the people in our lives are a gift. And that learning how to love each other really well takes three things. It takes effort, it takes intentionality, and it takes practice. So we're going to take that with us as we start to talk about family. As a part of getting ready for this morning, I've been reading a book called Bless This Mess, a modern guide to faith and parenting in a chaotic world. 
It's written by Reverend Molly Basket, who is a UCC pastor out in California, and Ellen O'Donnell, who is a PhD uh, and a child psychologist over in Massachusetts. And together they give us a really nice perspective on where parenting and spirituality or faith intersect with one another. Here's what they write very early on in the book. They say, our job as parents is to discover who our children are and then love them further into being. Every child is distinct, perhaps shockingly different from their siblings. And everyone is, as the palmist says, fearfully and wonderfully made. Our greatest joy as parents may be to get to know the person God has given us to raise, whether by birth, adoption, or some other circumstance. Parents in the room, think about the children that you've raised over the years. You know just how different they are, don't you? No two of them alike, even though they may look very much like siblings. They can be as different as night and day. One introverted, the other a social butterfly. One bold, the other cautious. One compassionate, the other crashing through social interactions. One thoughtful, the other much more impulsive. And on and on it goes. I often think about how different my younger brother and I are. I was a social butterfly who loved to entertain, Bet you couldn't have guessed that. He was the quiet daredevil who was okay with letting me do all the talking. He didn't have to say a word till he was probably four or five, because I knew what he needed. For the most part, that's still true about us today. <laughs> I appreciate that reminder that our kids are so different and that we have to start by really getting to know them. What do they love? What do they value? What's important to them? What makes them proud? What stresses them out? Learning that about our children takes those three things, effort, intentionality, practice. Because our kids are not us. And they don't have to be. Our job is to help them become the best version of themselves. To become who God has called and created them to be. And they need safe spaces to do that. They need a safe space to explore their world and their identity. To try on different interests and see what fits? They need us to hold safe space so that they can come back to it when things don't go as hoped or planned. But if we, the adults in the room, if we get stuck in our fears about all the what-ifs and we begin to try and control or manage or manipulate who our children will become, 
then we remove any space they had to grow and learn on their own. Our desire to control that grows out of our fear. And our kids don't need our fear. They need our faith. Our faith that they are fearfully and wonderfully made just the way they are. Our faith and our conviction that God has called them to a life that is as unique as they are. And when we can hold that space for them, we will see them flourish. We will see them grow in their own faith, their own confidence, their own courage. And again, it starts with us as parents, aunts and uncles, grandmas and grandpas, teachers and counselors, coaches and mentors, to help young people become who God has called and created them to be, we have to let go of our own fear. Because fear is what will lead us to be controlling, judgmental, authoritarian. We know best, so get in line. While faith will allow us to listen and learn and grow together. It keeps all of us open to where God is leading us as individuals and as a family. And that is the best gift that we can give our young people. Now in our scripture reading, we heard about this moment where Jesus is blessing the children. It's just two verses in the middle of Luke's 18th chapter. But those two verses hold a beautiful truth. Remember that there are families who are bringing their children to Jesus. Some of them probably crying, right? Let's just be real, that's what kids do. And then they, oh, then they sleep. They just crash. They're out for a little bit. <laughs> They're bringing their kids, even their infants, to Jesus, and they want him to bless their kids. But the disciples, they see what's happening, and they try to put an end to it. I imagine the disciples saying something like, hey, guys, he's got more important things to do. But Jesus doesn't seem to agree with his disciples. He welcomes the children. He tells the disciples, do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Jesus blesses those children, and he does so with great joy because he knows that his ministry to those children is the most important thing he's going to do that day. Our children are gifts to us, and they have so much to teach us if we will listen, if we will take the time, if we will give them space to grow. In this moment, Jesus is letting those children know that they are the most important thing to him. He gives them his time, his full attention. They are his priority. He will not be pulled away. He holds that safe space for those children. And in doing so, he blesses them. 
And so this morning, I want us to think about the space that we hold for the young people in our lives. Is it a safe space that blesses them and encourages them as they grow into the young people that God has called and created them to be? Or is it a space that confines them, restricts them, constrains them, discourages them from exploring their gifts, their unique perspective, their own faith? You see, if we want to be a blessing to the next generation, we must get curious about who they are and what matters most to them. We must listen and allow them to ask some really big questions. We must remind them that they are loved no matter what. And we must prioritize their safety emotionally, physically, spiritually. Now that's a lot of we musts, isn't it? Because it is so important that we get this right. We need this next generation. And they need us. So again, as parents, aunts and uncles, grandmas, grandpas, teachers, counselors, coaches, and mentors, it is our job to help young people become who God's called and created them to be. May our faith, not our fear, guide us as we listen and grow together. And may we stay open to where God is leading us as individuals, as families, as a community. Because that is the best gift that we can give our young people. May it be so. Amen. And amen.